Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. What an exciting day. This is an exciting parable we get to dive into today. I like this parable because it is challenging and uh this is two years in a row now. It's fallen to me. Thanks be to God. I want to look into it in a little more detail and examine it sort of closely because it is a, um, a parable that on first glance is, it seems like a very simple, direct thing, but upon further study, it actually reveals more to us than initially meets the eye. In fact, it was uh, obscure enough that when Jesus first told it, his disciples later asked him to explain it to them, which Jesus does later in this exact same chapter of uh, Matthew. 13 is the chapter. Now, later in this chapter, Jesus does explain to uh, to the disciples what this means. And I'll just read Jesus' own explanation of the parable so we can start there. Um... Jesus explains the parable of the weeds. So the parable starts on verse 24. His explanation starts on verse 36. He says, His disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed means the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the close of the age. The Son of the Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and evildoers, and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. So the parable Jesus gives is of a man sowing good seed in the field, and this man is the son of man, that is Jesus himself. What he sows are sons of the kingdom, but somehow an enemy, the devil, comes and sows sons of evil. And they both grow up together, even though the angels question, should we not just go ahead and separate them now? The son of man, the harvester, says, no, let them grow up together, and then once harvest time comes, that is the end of the world, the end of the age, as it were, he will send his harvesters, that is the angels, out into the world to separate out the good wheat from the bad weeds. The weeds will be bundled up and thrown into a fire, and the good wheat will shine like the sun. This parable matches closely some language that Malachi gives in chapter 4 of his book, where he basically says that on that great day, The Lord will come and those who are evildoers and adulterers and uh, idolaters, they will encounter the fire of God. The sun of righteousness will rise. This burning sun will rise up into the sky and those who are evil will be burned away by this, leaving them neither root nor branch. But the sons of righteousness, those who belong to God, will rise with healing in their wings and they will 
uh, rejoice like young calves in the stall waiting to bust out and run around. They will be energized, essentially. So you have a picture of two different kinds of people reacting the same way or reacting different ways to the same situation, right? With the sun rising in Malachi's um, uh, story and with the harvest time coming in Jesus' parable. But the same kind of thing happens to one group as they are compared to sort of a, a botanical um, uh, weed. They are burned up when they encounter God. This also aligns with what St. Peter tells us in one of his epistles, that God is a consuming fire and that at the end of all things, God's own fire will run forth into all of creation and burn away everything that can't survive in the unmediated presence of God. And Jesus tells us that the things that won't survive this are all causes of sin and all evil doers. Now, this is an example of what I've been for years uh, calling an uncomfortable binary that we uh, see in the Gospels, where Jesus seems to uh, give us the impression that people are one or another kind of a thing, that all people in the world will be uh, sorted according to a binary, sheep and goats, wheat and weeds, um, good trees and bad trees. He likes to use botanical metaphors because people knew how plants worked back then. I have no idea how plants work. I can't keep a plant alive to save my life. If it needs water, I water it and then it dies from too much water. If it's advertised as not needing water, I don't water it and it dies because I don't ever water it. Um, I can't find the right balance. But people back then knew how trees worked. And there's one particular metaphor where Jesus uses a, an example of a tree, but instead of just a simple good tree or bad tree, we have a, a, a kind of in-between state. We have a tree that's not putting out fruit, and the owner of the, the tree comes in and says to his servant, I keep coming to this tree looking for fruit, and there's never any fruit. Just go ahead and cut it down. It's not productive. But the gardener, the servant, says, I have an idea. Give me one more year, one more growing season. Let me dig around all the roots and put down fertilizer, and, and water it the appropriate amount, whatever that would be. And let's see if I can't get it to produce fruit next year. So I'm going to alter its situation. I'm going to work hard to try to get this thing to become productive. And then, then we can make our decision. And I like, I like throwing the example of the tree that is fertilized in with all the other examples that Jesus gives of these binary uh, choices, because it seems to mitigate that simple one or the other thing. It doesn't mitigate it entirely. There's still going to be at the end, you know, there's the, the, a year time frame. The owner will come back and say, okay, it's been, we've given it time. You fertilized it. Now, is it a good tree or a bad tree? There's still a final judgment to be made, but there's time and there's effort and there's work and there's a possibility of change. And in fact, the greatest luminaries of our church say that that lesson applies to all of those binary. Can a goat become a sheep? Yes, it can. Can weeds become wheat? Yes, they can, if given time and the right circumstances in the mercy of God. St. John Chrysostom, in uh, commenting on this passage, says the same thing. St. Uh, 
St. Augustine of Hippo says the same thing. They both say that God allows weeds to grow up with wheat because they are indistinguishable at any given moment. The angels would be harvesting too soon. They would reap what was a weed today that might be wheat tomorrow. So God gives us this life that we are living now. This is the, harp, this is the growing season. This is the year where hopefully we're being fertilized to become productive. This life that we're living, thanks be to God, is our chance to become wheat instead of weeds. But how do we do that? How do we become wheat? Well, I think our hearts, like this field, are probably full of both wheat and weeds themselves. Our own lives and our minds and our hearts are full of good and bad, and the way that we overall become wheat is by tending to the garden of our lives, of our hearts. And the way that we do that, I think, is summed up beautifully in our epistle reading for today. Uh, it's, it's like, there, here's the, it's like whoever put the, uh, the structure, the readings together, read this gospel and thought to themselves, how do I become wheat? They're flipping through and they read St. Paul's letter and they're like, this is how. <laughs> this is how I become wheat instead of weeds. So, Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 17. St. Paul in his letters is, uh, it just, St. Paul's letters make up the majority of the New Testament, and he expounds just brilliant uh, Christological and theological doctrines. He opens up the Old Testament and, and reveals their Christological significance. He, uh, he gets in the nitty-gritty and addresses uh, problems on the ground in all these churches, but every now and then in his letters, he just drops a few lines that sum up in a nutshell the Christian life, and this is one of them. This is how to become wheat. He says, basically, think of yourselves as wheat already. We're baptized into Christ, right? We're in his church, and so as God's chosen ones, as his elect, he says, put on compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, and patience, and forbearing. And then he says, forgive one another as Christ forgave you. And then over all these things, put on love, which binds everything together perfectly. And then he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. <laughs> let the word of Christ dwell in you, all of his teachings, and you teach and admonish one another. We all have that role as teachers to our fellow brothers and sisters. And how do you do this? How do you teach them? By becoming familiar and sing, practicing singing hymns and songs of praise and spiritual songs, always with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, always do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Talk about nutshelling I mean, that is the Christian life. It's full of virtue. Uh, it's, it's implied that none of this will come naturally, but that all of it has to be practiced. This is our life. I mean, literally, take, take a, a bulletin home with you so you don't forget. Nope, nope, never mind. <laughs> Log on to the website. Scroll down and look at what this passage was so you don't forget it this week. And meditate on this, chew on it, learn, learn how to apply these principles in the day-to-day. -day. 
But here's the thing. Out there in the world, it's always a mixture of wheat and weeds. This, this is the best way to try to become wheat in the world. But the best way outside of doing this, practicing what St. Paul is talking about, is showing up here every Sunday, coming out of the world into the church, ecclesia. That's the gathering that's set apart, that's pulled out of the world. This is the place where you can rely on wheat. This is where wheat in its pure form is found. In the teachings of Christ and his apostles, in the holy words of the scripture and in the sacraments. This is where we can rely on filling ourselves with pure wheat so that we're transformed into wheat from the inside out. All of, all of the other things are outward actions that we have to do to try to um, help purify us inwardly. But in this church, we have the wheat put in us directly and it transforms our hearts. This is the grace that God gives us. We aren't out there uh, blowing around in the winds of change, mingling with the weeds without any help at all, uh, growing up until harvest time without any sort of direction, without any kind of fertilization. This is where we are fertilized and where we become wheat. So this, uh, this parable, as, as troubling as it sounds, is actually a hopeful parable, especially when, um, when you read the commentary on it from the, the fathers of the church throughout the ages. None of us are today, for sure, full weed or full wheat we have the hope of being transformed more and more glory unto glory into the likeness of Christ so that hopefully when that day comes and we behold him with unveiled face and see him as he is, our face reflects his brightness and we have very little to be burned away. We pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.